Well, good morning. Thank you for joining us. I hope so far um, you've had a, a nice weekend. Um, my family and I, we spent most yesterday uh, at a wedding, which was actually, I don't know if maybe you're indifferent, maybe you think that's great or that'd be horrible, but it was, it was actually pretty wonderful. Uh, the wedding was, was in Newburgh. It was at Northside Community Church. And for those of you who don't know, I, that was, that's a church that, that I, Natasha and I spent a lot of time in when we were first married. And it's where I served on staff there for a handful of years. And, and it had actually been a while since we as a family had been back into that space. And, and I was reminded when we walked into that, into that place how amazing it is that our, the way our senses, like the way we, when we see things and, and smell things and, and just experience things with our senses, how they just trigger memories and, and all these things come flooding back. My, our kids rushed into this, this church and, and all of a sudden they just like had all these flashbacks of like preschool and, and running around in the sanctuary and hiding up in the balcony and all these, like, oh, I remember the way that that was and, and all of the sights and, and the smells and the sounds and they just, they just kind of start flooding back into their, into their, into their minds and they couldn't help but share it with Natasha and I. And, and it got me thinking about some things that I was looking at and, and researching this last week related to, to memory. And I came across this uh, expert. I don't know if she was an expert or not. She seemed pretty confident in what she was saying. But <laughs> she says this about, about memory. She says, the stronger and broader the net of associations and connections, and maybe even specifically with, with our senses, the broader that that net of associations and connections are, the less likely we are to forget a moment, to forget an experience to forget a piece of information or maybe even what's true. This morning, we're going to dive back into John, really at the end of, of John chapter uh, 21, where we're going to be wrapping it up in the next few weeks. And, and I want you to just keep that in mind as, as we read this passage this morning. The, the stronger and broader the, the net of associations and connections, the less likely we are to forget a moment and experience a piece of information or, or what is true. So as, as I read from John chapter 21, if you're willing and able, I'd like to invite you to, to stand with me this morning. If you have a Bible, you can also open up and, and read along from there, or the words will also be up on the screen behind me. It's John chapter 21, starting in, in verse 1. And there it says, Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee and two other disciples were together. I'm going, to I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to, hand or to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple, whom Jesus loved, said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped, out, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net of, full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. 
So Simon climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. This was the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You can have a seat. Now, most scholars or experts, when they approach this passage, they think that, that all of what we just read was going to set up what was the conversation that Jesus is going to have with Peter next week. Now, or not next week, in the next few moments. We're going to get to it next week when Pastor Olivia kind of wraps up our entire series in John. And, and I hope, I don't know, for some, those of you that maybe are, are visiting this Sunday or maybe you have only been here for a few months or whatever, we've, we've been going through the Gospel of John over the last 12 to, to 15 months. And, and it's been amazing just to see the, the, the journey, for lack of a better word, I guess, from, from the beginning and, until when we're reaching the end and, and the significance of how the Lord has used that in, in our lives and, and in the church. But, but what was taking place in this passage and what we see in, with Jesus on the shore of Galilee was, was more significant than just simply a setup for what a conversation that Jesus is going to have with Peter in, in a few moments. I believe that Jesus is doing something actually quite significant with the seven disciples that found themselves on, this, on the Sea of Galilee that early morning, that that was the moment that Jesus decided to, to show up, a moment after the disciples had fished all night. And these were, these were fishermen, right? These weren't recreational guys. They weren't showing up with a Mickey Mouse fishing pole and just hoping for the best and a can of worms. They were, they, this was a trade. This was something they did to, to provide for themselves and for their family. They knew what they were doing and they'd spent all night doing this. And, and yet they had found no luck. They had no fish. And this was the moment when Jesus arrived. And it wasn't a, a moment of, a random moment. Jesus doesn't do random. He does things with intentional. And so I believe that Jesus showed up at this time, early in the morning, after they had finished a, a night of unsuccessful fishing, on the Sea of Galilee, in a place that they knew, a place where they had spent, that he would show up and he would stir up connections. He would stir up associations. He would stir up memories that they had had, significant moments that they had experienced with one another and with Jesus. So I'd actually like to read this passage to you again. And this time as I do, I'm going to invite you to, if you are comfortable and if you trust the person you're sitting next to, to, to just close your eyes for a moment. And I want you to, to listen to this passage with not just like your mind, but with your senses. I want you to try to imagine what it would look like and sound like and feel like and smell like and, and maybe even taste like. And, and I'll just pause here for a second and just say, I, I don't know what Jesus was thinking offering fish for breakfast. I just think that's the, like the word. And Jesus knows what he's doing. But, but anyway, I want you to, to, to approach this passage with your imagination trying to utilize your senses as you listen to it again. So if you're comfortable, feel free to, to close your eyes and, and listen again with, with your senses in mind. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, 
Nathanael from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we will go with you. So they went out and got into the boat. But that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side and you will find, and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals where there were fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish you have caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dare ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to the disciples after he had raised, he was raised from the dead. We've all maybe experienced a moment where some sort of sense, a smell, a sight, a sound, a feel, that it, it sparks a memory. It takes us back in time. All of a sudden, we're, we're at the church that we grew up at or, or we're, we're sitting at our grandparents' table eating breakfast. It's just like, oh, I remember what this tasted like. Oh, I remember what this smelled like. Oh, I remember what this, what this looked like. It's, it, again, like I mentioned before, it's amazing how our, our mind will use our senses to draw us back into to moments in our life that, that maybe felt significant for, for better or, or for worse. But it's, it's something that I imagine that we all have a shared experience in to, to some extent. But I, I can't help but think that in this moment, as, as the disciples experienced all of these things, that they didn't have a, a flood of memories that were just working their way back into their, into their minds of, of significant moments that they had experienced with one another and significant moments that they had experienced with Jesus as well. These were memories that maybe from the, the Sea of Galilee, like for many, this was where they either they grew up or it's where they worked. It's where they worked hard. But remember in, in John chapter 6, this was the place, the Sea of Galilee was where they saw Jesus walking on water, like walking out to them on water as they were traveling across the sea in a boat. Maybe their, their memory was just simply in a boat. Many of these men were, were fishermen and they had spent hours and, and days and weeks on a boat doing this exact same type of work. But it's also the place in Mark chapter 4 that Jesus was with them on a boat. Mark tells us that Jesus was asleep in, in the back of the boat and a, and a storm comes up and the disciples begin to panic and they, they wake Jesus up and, and Jesus calms the storm with disciples on board the boat. Maybe it's a memory of just simply casting nets. Again, something they had done over and over and over again. They, just the muscle memory. They knew what it felt like to, to cast the net and to pull in a, a net full of fish and 
And yet it was almost an exact experience that Luke describes in chapter 4 where Jesus calls out to these men on the boat. Some of them were the same men. Simon Peter was there and, and he says, you know, try casting your net on the other side. And that time the, the net filled so full that the, it actually tore as they were trying to pull all these fish in. Or maybe the memory was just simply watching Peter get out of the boat. Like this was something that they had seen before. They had seen Jesus walking on water. This took place in, in Matthew chapter uh, 14. And they'd seen Jesus walking out on the water. And Peter says to, to Jesus, Lord, if that is you, call me out. Invite me out. I want to come. And Peter climbs out and walks on the water for, for at least a few steps before the wind and the waves start to, to scare him. And, and he sinks. And so they had seen this type of action before or maybe the memory was just simply from a charcoal fire. It was mentioned in here that there was a, a, a fire of, of burning coals or a, a charcoal fire, which was commonplace at the time, I'm sure, as a, as a form of, of both cooking and, and staying warm. And, and we know that there was a specific event that took place just a, a few days or maybe weeks, depending on when this event actually took place, that, that involved just simply Peter in a in a charcoal fire, and I won't spend any more time on that because I think Olivia will be talking about that next Sunday. Or maybe it was just simply a memory of the bread and the fish, which again, that's kind of gross for breakfast. But like this was the moment when the disciples watched Jesus transform just a few loaves of bread and a few fish handed to them from a, a small boy and, and was able to multiply them and to feed 5,000 people with just two a few small loaves of bread and a few small fish. These moments, these events, these memories, these were some of the most significant things and experiences that Jesus had with his disciples and that his disciples experienced with one another. But for the disciples, they weren't just simply stories like we read them as as stories but for the disciples they were they were actually shared experiences with Jesus they were shared experiences with one another and if you've ever had like a really powerful shared experience with someone maybe you went on a I don't know a, a camping trip or maybe you traveled somewhere far away or maybe you got lost and had to be found I just any sort of shared deep meaningful experience you've had you know that that builds strong bonds and strong attachments with, with one another. And for Jesus and his disciple, these experiences, these significant moments in, in his life and in his ministry and in his, in his work with these disciples, they built significant attachments and bonds between Jesus and his disciples. They weren't just stories that they were, but they were shared experiences. And they were things that by the, through their emotions, or sorry, through their senses, through their, the ways that they saw and smelled and tasted and, and touched, that they would, they would have, in this moment, would have stirred up powerful, powerful feelings, powerful emotions that they would have felt in this moment with Jesus as he called to them from the boat. As they paddled in, swam in if you're Peter, saw the fish cooking on a charcoal fire. And so for us this morning, as we look at this story, like, so what's, what, what's the point? What, why would Jesus want to stir up these memories? Why would he want to stir up these, these emotions, these connections, these associations that he and, and his disciples had shared? Well, last week I read from a passage in John chapter 16, and, and there was one verse in there that I want to reread this morning where Jesus said this to his disciples. In John chapter 16, he says, A time is coming 
and in fact has come when you, when you will be scattered, each to your own home. In Matthew chapter 26, he says something very similar. He says, you, all, you will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. You see, the, this band of disciples, they had been scattered and in some ways they had been shattered and, and really in some ways they had been dismembered, like, like broken apart. This, this body, this band of, of disciples was being kind of split apart, cut apart by Jesus' arrest, his, his death and his, and his burial. Like it caused them to be split up. And really, even to some extent, even after Jesus was resurrected, we'll see that the, that the disciples end up getting scattered, that the believers in Jesus would be scattered among the nations. And so there was always this moment and idea of them being both scattered, maybe a little shattered, and maybe even dismembered in, in a more uh, metaphorical sense. And so to counteract that, I believe to counteract that, Jesus shows up in, in this moment when he sees seven of these disciples together doing something together, something that they had done before, something that they had done maybe even with Jesus nearby. And he began to pluck the strings of connection, to begin to kind of play the, the music of association so that it would stir up these, these emotions, stir up these memories of shared experience with Jesus and shared experience with one another. Memories specifically of, of who Jesus was and memories specifically of, of what Jesus had, had done with them and, and around them. And in the story, as, as John tells it, it, it all culminated when at the end of it, after Jesus sees them and, and calls them and tells them to switch the net and they catch the fish and Peter swims in and they all come in and they see the fire, then Jesus is sitting there with, with fish on the flame. And he says, come, come and share a meal with me. Come and, and have breakfast with me. Come and, and eat. And as John says, that Jesus served them bread and, and he served them fish. We remember, if we've been paying attention to, to John's gospel and if we've, if we've read through some of the other gospels, that, that the last time Jesus had shared a meal with them like this was, was the night that he was betrayed. It was the night when, when all, almost all of these disciples would actually desert Jesus after his arrest and go back to their own homes and go back to a safe space and, and, and allow Jesus to, to simply go to the, to the authorities and, and to the cross by himself. Like that was, the, that was the, the last time that they had shared a meal like that. And when they shared a meal like that, Jesus chose that moment and chose that meal to show them, like, this is what is taking place. It, it was the, a Passover meal, right? And he was explaining, this is a, a new Passover. I'm going to provide a, a new exodus, a new way for you to escape the, the slavery that you're experiencing right now, more spiritual than, than physical. And I'm going to help you to find a way of, to make your way through uh, the, the Red Sea and into the Promised Land, which would be back into this right relationship with God the Father through Jesus' life, death, and and resurrection. And so he used that moment to teach that. But he also implemented in that meal, when he shared that last meal with his disciples, he was implementing a, a practice. He was implementing a, a rhythm where they would come back together and they would come back together to share a meal and they would come back together to, to remember Jesus, to, to continually come back and do that. 
Maybe you remember the words that Jesus spoke at, as he was having this last supper with his disciples. Paul captures it this way in, in 1 Corinthians. He said, The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my, excuse me, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, do this whenever you drink in remembrance of me. This cup is the, sorry, for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You see, the disciples, they had been, they'd been dismembered by the death of Jesus on the cross. And now with the resurrected Jesus standing there in their midst, serving them a meal, he was saying to them, remember me. Remember me. And by remembering Jesus, they were being remembered. I'm not even sure if that's a word, but I'm going to use it a lot in the next five minutes, so just pretend like it is. He's like remembering. They, were, they had been dismembered, but by bringing them together to share this meal, he is remembering them with Jesus. And they are being remembered with one another. And in doing so, they would end up even stronger than they were before, more resilient than they were before. Have you ever... Um, seen or heard of this Japanese art. Maybe it's not new to you. Maybe you've seen it. Maybe you even own a piece of this art. I, I don't. But it's called uh, Kintsugi. And I, I have a picture of it up on the screen and, and a short description of it. But Kintsugi is the, the Japanese art of putting broken pottery pieces back together with gold. It's built on the idea that embracing flaws and imperfections, you can create an even stronger, more beautiful piece of art. Every break is unique, and instead of repairing an item like new, the 400-year-old technique actually highlights the scars as a part of the design. Using this as a metaphor for healing ourselves teaches us an important lesson. Sometimes in the process of repairing things, things that are broken, things that are dismembered, we actually create something more unique, more beautiful, and and more resilient. As I was reading about Kintsugi and some of the artwork, they say that sometimes after, after they put these pieces back together with gold and, and lacquer, that they actually, they say that it's stronger than it was before and that the artist will sometimes like drop it or, or bang it to, to just show or to test to see that it, it's actually stronger than it was when it was broken. You see, what is broken or what's been dismembered was, was made stronger and more resilient when it's being brought back together. That's what this artwork is showing, that things that are broken or dismembered, that they can be made stronger and more resilient when they're brought back together, when they are remembered. But a big part of that is the binding agent. A big part of that is what they're using to actually remember or to reconnect or to build this thing back together. It's not just like Elmer's glue, right, or some scotch tape or something. Like it takes like specific agents and specific lacquered and specific kind of gold that would actually create something that was stronger, more beautiful and unique, and more resilient. See, all of this, I, the point I'm trying to make is that when Jesus was there on the, on the beach, that moment on the beach with his disciples, with Jesus, it was a, it was a, a remembering moment with them. And by them, Remembering, 
Jesus, what he had done, they were remembered together. They were stronger and more resilient with Jesus as that binding agent, ready to follow in his footsteps. This was a moment that they needed. Jesus knew it. I'm not sure that they do, but this was a moment that they needed to be brought back together, that they would be brought back together in a way that they would be strengthened and encouraged and stronger than they were before. And to be honest, it's a, it's a moment that I think we need more often than we think we do. To be able to be brought back together, remembering Jesus and allowing, in doing so, allowing Jesus to, to remember us, to bring us back together and, and to bring us back together in a way that we're stronger and more resilient than we, than we were before. That's why we're invited to take part in this supper this meal with Jesus and, and to invite it to do that regularly to, so that it just doesn't become a, a ritual where we just walk up and, and enjoy a, a snack, but it's actually a moment of, of reflection or, or a moment of considering what's been done in the past and just simply in, in the life of Jesus or maybe even more specifically in, in our own lives as we've tried to walk with Jesus and we've seen how he's intervened. We've seen the, the miraculous things that he's done in our own life, the shared experiences that we have with one another and that we have with Jesus. And in doing so, as we remember Jesus in these moments, we are being remembered with him and being remembered with one another. So this morning as we take communion together. I'm going to uh, share a prayer that I came across this week in a, in a book. Well, it's a book of prayers by John Bailey, who's a deceased Scottish theologian. And in it, he prays this. It's kind of, this is kind of in the middle of the prayer. So what you, I'm going to read the whole thing to you. But in the middle of it, he says, Help me, Lord, to remember the blessed life, your life, that was once lived out on this common earth, under these ordinary skies, may I take this memory into each task and duty today. And then after that statement, he follows it with kind of just seven examples of, of the ways, the way Jesus lived and ways that, that we might try to follow in his footsteps. And as I read that today, what, I, what I'm going to do is read the entire prayer. And when I get to those seven ways, I'm going to actually pause for a moment. And, and what I would invite you to do in those moments is to just take those moments to, to reflect and see like maybe there's something that sparks a memory or a thought in your mind. Maybe it's a, a, a story from scripture, a story from the gospels that you've read that, that you, where you see Jesus playing out this in, in real time. Or maybe it's a specific way that Jesus has worked in your own life. But what we're doing is simply remembering the things that Jesus has done, is doing, and then considering what he will continue to do both in us and, and through us and, and all around us. And then after I close, I'll invite you to come up and, and to receive these elements and take them back to your seat. And then we will take them together as we prepare to close our service this morning. So where you're sitting right now, maybe just sit, a, sit up for just a second, take a, a breath of air, maybe close your Bible and, and prepare your heart to to participate in, in this prayer as well. Oh God, you have proved your love for all people by sending us Jesus Christ, our Lord. And you have illuminated our human life with the radiance of his presence. Thank you for this, your greatest gift. Thank you, God, for every day my Lord spent on this earth. 
for the record of his deeds of love, for the words he spoke for my guidance and help, for his obedience even to death, for his triumph over death, for the presence of his spirit with me now. Help me, Lord, to remember the blessed life that was once lived out on this common earth under these ordinary skies. May I take this memory into each task and duty of today. And this is where we'll reflect. Help me to remember his eagerness to help others rather than be helped. Help me to remember his sympathy with suffering of every kind. Help me to remember his bravery in the face of his own suffering. Help me to remember his gentleness toward others so that when he was abused, he did not retaliate. Help me to remember his steadiness of purpose in keeping to his appointed task. Help me to remember his simplicity, his self-discipline, his serenity of spirit. Help me to remember his complete reliance upon you, his Father in heaven. In each of these ways, give me grace to follow in his footsteps. I want to invite you when you're ready or if, you're, if you'd like to today to come up and, and to receive the, this simple meal that we'll share together, remembering Jesus as he remembers us. And, and you can bring that back to your chair and then we will take those together in, in just a few moments. So as you're ready, and the words from that prayer will continue to be up on the screen to give you just maybe more time to pause and, and to reflect on, on the life of Jesus as well.
The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Would you stand with me? I'd like to close this time of this shared meal by just saying the Lord's Prayer together. And I know many of us have that memorized potentially, and maybe you don't, and that's, and there's, that's fine either way. And maybe we have different versions, so you'll just have to pray it as, as you know it. But I'd like us to utilize that to kind of close this time, and then we will um, sing one more song together. So would you pray with me? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.